You are listening to sermons from the Ignite Leadership Conference 08. Ignite is a gathering for young leaders purposed for kingdom building and lasting conversations to take place. For more information, visit www.igniteleadership.org. The Leadership Roundtable, featuring Mike Hickerson from Heartland Community Church in Rockford, Illinois. All right, what's up? Uh, my name is Mike Hickerson. Most of you have no clue who the heck I am, so that's okay. Um, I'm an Owasso guy. I literally grew up, um, well, when I was in fourth grade, um, uh, my mom and my new stepdad and I moved to Owasso, Oklahoma. And you know how uh, parents always want their kids to be more moral than they are or were? They always want that to happen, and so they bring them to you to fix. Um, we started driving by this, this church, and they're like, oh, we should probably start hanging out there. Well, we moved into this neighborhood, and I was gone the summer that we moved in. I was visiting my real dad. And uh, I come back to this neighborhood. I don't know anyone. And bus number 10 pulls around the corner the first day of school um, with uh, just a beautiful lady of a bus driver that we all grew to know and love throughout our whole high school and elementary life and bus trips and things like that um, before we could drive. Um, pulls up to my house, and I'm walking onto the bus in a full Forrest Gump moment, not knowing a single person at the school I'm going, not knowing my teachers, not knowing anyone in my neighborhood yet. So I walk onto this bus, and I'm just going down. Every seat is taken, and I'm like, oh, this is like terror. You know, this is what nightmares are made of as a fourth grade, fourth grader. And finally, one, um, one guy lets me sit down next to him on the bus, in bus number 10, and it was Jeff Henson, was the guy that let me sit next to him. So we've been friends, yeah. Uh, so we've been friends ever since. And literally, Casey Carricker lived down the street um, from us too. So, um, and I, I say this in all seriousness to be uh, really, and Jay and it was a, a, a huge investment in, in me too. But between Jay, uh, Casey, and Jeff, like part of the reason that I sit here today as a being transformed new creation in Christ is because of the investment they made. I had never been to church ever. Uh, we would go when we'd go to my mom's house, um, or my, my mom's mom's house, my grandma's house in St. Louis, and we were supposed to act like we went to church all the time, you know, that kind of thing, when we went to this church, and I didn't know what the heck was going on. I didn't know when to stand, when to sit, what everybody was doing with this. I didn't, I was just so scared to death, and I just kind of got through it. And I remember one time Jeff invited me to his church, and um, he told me I had to put jeans on. And I'm like, I don't know why I have to put jeans on. What are we going to do at this place that I can't wear shorts? It's warm out, but I have to put jeans on. I didn't know what was going on. So I went to this church, and finally, um, my parents started, um, we ended up going to another church in Owasso um, that my parents were kind of getting engaged with, and that's actually where Jay and I went. And uh, Jay, we were in the same youth group together. Uh, Jay was hev- heavily invested in me. So um, you all have no clue who I am. Um, that's just a little snippet into me. What I thought we would do today is just kind of have some conversations that I wish that people would have had with me um, when I was kind of in some of your similar situations, when I was either getting started or I was in the middle of some big decisions that was going on in my life or kind of big leadership discussions or ministry discussions or even like I'm kind of feeling stuck in like the decisions or like I've kind of been in the rat race of just kind of holding on to a ministry or managing all these things that are happening, but I'm not really having good, clear discussions about what we want to do, what we want to accomplish, who I'm becoming or what's next. And so I thought this would be like a good injection point for us to just be able to do that. By no means am I coming at you with, I've got it all figured out. Um, Trust me, if you came and saw some of the stuff that I've led or been involved with, you would probably be very underwhelmed. You wouldn't, you'd be like, okay, this is just normal, normal stuff, um, has normal problems with normal students and normal issues and normal leadership screw-ups and normal um, sinful self coming up to the surface more than often than not. But I thought we would just provide a, a forum where we could just have some great conversation. Um, man, if you, uh, if you could take those eight principles that we just talked about and, and, and actually enact them in your life, you would be so well served. I mean... Um, I wish that someone had grabbed me around the throat and shook my head and got these things into my head a long time ago. And some of the questions that I thought we would kind of go, kind of go along with some of those principles and just the idea of getting some good conversations and good thinking because good, think, good thinking leads to good actions and good actions lead to good influence. And so kind of go that way. Some ground rules. Um, this isn't leaders at the table. This isn't your time to be right and everyone else listen to what you have to say. 
Um, those of you that are talkers at the table, this isn't the time for you to dominate the conversation. Um, this is a roundtable discussion. There'll be sometimes I throw a question to the table and for you, to, for you to have a conversation about it. Now, sometimes what happens is like the first person that talks, everybody's like, oh, I don't agree with that, but it would be really weird if I said I didn't agree with it right now. Not in this case, because this is a, it's okay to, to think differently. In fact, I think sometimes the, that when the best decisions or when the best thinking comes is when you put a topic on the table and there's a lot of disagreement about it and then all of a sudden it kind of chips it away to what the real core is that we all agree on. And that's kind of what we want to do with some of each of these discussions. So if somebody doesn't agree with you, it's not personal. Um, and, it, you know, you, there's right sides and left sides of everything and, and uh, tops and bottoms and it's okay. We're all, we all are under the banner of Christ. We all love Jesus. We all love God. We're all going to... Um, you know, engage and see each other in heaven and all that kinds of thing. And we might be on some opposite sides of some of these questions that I'm going to ask, and we're okay with that. We know these questions are hopefully designed to, 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 to stir up some good conversations that hopefully last outside of this session. Cool? All right, one of the things that I do with our students, and so you have to do it, when I say cool, they have to say it back, so that way I know that they're with me. Cool? Cool. So that way it's like, oh, okay, even if they don't agree with what I just said, they're like, oh, yeah, cool. No, that's good. That's cool. You can take that. That's free. Free of charge. All right. Here's the first question I'm going to throw at you, and you're going to have a conversation about it, and this is a simple one. So what are you leading, or what are you leading, or what are you dreaming of leading, or what do you think, like, God has you, like, prepared to lead? I know some of us are in different seasons or in, in just modes and stuff like that. So ready and go. All right, all right. I'm going to do my best, and I think you all understand that if you've ever led something like this, it's really difficult not to interrupt uh, because some people are done and some people are talking, so I'm sorry about that. If you didn't get to yours, and you can take the time in the next to finish up. The next thing I'd love for you to do is think about this, and whatever, and I'm kind of coming from a student ministry context, and so we'll ask some other, kind of go through some other principles that you all asked about and your pre-questions that we'll get to, um, but I'm going to kind of come at it from a church context first. Um, would you describe what you lead, whether it be a church or a division or a student ministry or whatever it is, are you, as a program, a ministry, a gathering, a study, a huddle, or a group? Does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm asking? Like, if you had to, you have to right now. You have to only pick one of these things that, that what you're leading is. Um, if you had to pick one, um, what would you pick? Which one of these would you pick and why? And I'll say them again program, ministry, a gathering, a study, a huddle, or a group. Does that make sense? Cool? Cool. So you have to pick one and have a conversation about what that you just said that you were leading, which one of those you think that that falls into. Go for it. Okay, hold on one second. We're going to take, uh, I'm going to give you five minutes for this next question, and, and you can finish up this question in that five minutes if you need to. Leaders, the spot for you would be to help kind of delineate time if we need to move on so Scott and you can talk if you really want to Scott didn't believe he could talk um, so finish up this question I'm going to tie some things together uh, in a little bit but I want to ask this question first for you to talk about at the table I think it's maybe um, well I won't oversell it but um, it's an important question f- uh, for you to wrestle with why does the church exist capital C why does the church exist ready Go for it. I know you might have to think a second before you talk. All right, here we go. Here we go. Here's another one of my ground rules um, that, and you can steal this for your ground rule, that um, I'm getting ready to say, like, I want some feedback, like what you all have heard, but one of my ground rules is you can't say your own idea because sometimes when we say things, we're like, oh, that is the best answer I've ever heard. And we think our answers are really good. And everybody else is like, I don't even know what he said, you know. So, um, so what we're going to do, if you, th- if you heard something at your table that was, like, worth the group hearing, 
like us as the group, not worth, I'm attaching value to it, or that, that stuck out to you, uh, how about that, we'll say it in a more PC way, that stuck out to you that, um, that you would want to share something that you didn't say, but something that stuck out to you um, about what the church is. Um, if, let's, let's talk about that together. Anyone? Cricket. So no one heard anything of value at their table. It's great. It's awesome. Some, some great conversations. Not according to the gospel, but according to Jay's talk. Which is the gospel. Sorry. All right, they tie together, and if you'll allow me just to have a few moments, just, um, again, these are not like thus saith the Lord moments. These are... Mike saith, and they don't have as much power for sure. Um, one of the things that I have in my head, and I don't even know where I first heard it, but I think our phraseology becomes our theology. Um, so I, I, my team that I um, help lead and, and do life with, um, they get tired of me saying that. But I think the way that we talk about things um, becomes the way that we believe about things, which becomes the way that we act about things. So sometimes we just say, well, I'm just leading a group of volunteers that hang out with kids, or I'm just holding babies, or I'm just like doing a, a Bible study, or I'm just preparing a message, or I'm just taking students on a missions trip, or I'm just doing this. And I, I hate, I hate, and I'm being honest here, I hate all of these names. Because what I think that we are a part of, and I've heard it rumbled through here, is I think we're a part of this movement of God. And I think, I think what the church is, biblically, the called out ones of God, the ecclesia, the separated ones of God, have always been in partnership with God to bring the kingdom of God, to bring hope, to bring the gospel, to bring the good news, to bring injustice, to, injustice, to correct injustice, to have mercy, to, to embrace the poor, to help partner with God and restoring humanity back to himself. We are a movement of God. We're not a group. We're not a huddle. We're not just getting together, holding hands, and doing a study, and singing kumbaya. It doesn't matter what the number is. We are a part of the movement of God. Partnering with God, the ecclesia, called out ones that's always been about helping restore humanity, to make his fame and his name and his greatness and his otherness known to a watching world. I mean, really, we're, we're about the glory of God and his fame and his renown and what he wants to do and him being great and famous in our world. And so I think our phraseology is, is just we put on programs or we do ministry or we host gatherings or we have studies, or um, unfortunately sometimes we just are a holy huddle, or we have youth groups. And what I would say to you, maybe just uh, what I wish I would have known in some of my either beginning moments of ministry or stuck moments of ministry, is that we are a part of the greater story of God, the movement of God that's been woven throughout his story, throughout history, to bring hope and reconciliation, and redemption, and peace, and good news, and transformation to a broken world, restoring it back to him. When you get so focused on me, and how I lead, and who's under me, and how big my church is, or how small my student ministry is, or what I need to do to maybe get a few more people, then you lose sight of being partnered with the movement of God. And I think especially today, we know that like here's the church, is what we say, here's the church and here's the steeple. We open the doors and we see all the people. We've just gotten so messed up that we think the building is the church, right? I mean, I know that we know. I mean, I mean we're all really smart in here. I know we know the people is the church. Yeah, 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 we got that. We know that. But we come to the building to be the church. We write checks to that address and that organization and that institution, but we've lost 
in my estimation, the adventure that is the movement of God. And we've settled for Sunday morning or Wednesday night coming to the building. Well, one of the things I would want you to do is, is I know that there's a chasm kind of in this room probably. Um, we'll just kind of do this. That, that we think this about the church. And so if you want that, you've got to write it down. Ready? Go. Okay. Um, so I just want to kind of form some things up a little bit. Is that sometimes, and with good intentions, um, we think the church is a come and see. That the church exists for for Sunday mornings, for you to come and see what we're doing. We've got a really good teacher, so you're going to come and see his teaching. We've got a really great band, so you want to come and see this band. We do our small groups at the church, so you're going to come and be a part of community. We've got all these studies going on, so you're going to come to the building, lowercase c church. We're going to come to whatever church you're a part of, so that you can learn how to experience life because you come and see and some of you in here are like i hate that kind of church and some of you're like well i just want to put on great programs i want it to be worth coming to i get that but the the other side of it is that some of you are so far on this chasm that you want to that it's go and be like the church is supposed to be the movement in in the place wherever you know two or more are gathered that's where the church is we're supposed to be about on the streets with the homeless we're supposed to be like i get so messed up and mad at the institutional church because we're supposed to be a uh, this kind of church like a missional church this is attractional and missional we're supposed to be out there in the world so what i want you to have a conversation around this will be maybe a quick one and maybe even maybe some firework one that'll be fun um um, we're all friends. We're all on the same team, no matter which cat part of the chasm you fall in. Um, would you say that you lean towards, and again, I'm not attaching value to either one. N- know that from me. Um, are, are you more of a come and see type of church? Or leader? Or movement maker? Movement partner? Or are you more of a go and be type of movement partner, creator, leader, Ready? Go. All right, stop. Sorry. Stop, stop. Man, I'm so bad wanting to jump into some of these discussions because I so disagree with some of the things that I've heard that I wanted to jump in so bad. So I hope you all um, are having great disagreement. It's okay to disagree. So don't hold back. We are all, again, we're all believing the best. We're all believing the best about each other. We're for each other. We're all going after the kingdom of God. We know that. But we can also, like, sharpen each other and disagree. It's okay. There's lots of ways to engage in the kingdom of God. Um, I almost want to keep opening it up because I would like to jump into some of those conversations. But I won't. Um, here's, what I be- here's what I think. Um, again, this is not thus saith the Lord. This is Mike. Um, I think... That over here, and I've been here and work at, worked at some churches that are here, um, we believe and we will defend the gathering at all costs. Um, we will either defend it in one of two ways. We'll defend it that it's supposed to be fully Christian and forget whoever else. We're just selling out and God is the focus and we gather to glorify God. And, and we will defend that like to death. And anybody else who does that differently is evil and potentially might go to hell. You know, we will say this, this. And then on the other side of it, we say that the weekend is for someone who is far from God, for them to be able to come and see. And we, and we believe that we will defend this at all costs, that, that we believe that if you can engage people far from God, that it's the responsibility of the believer to be able to feed themselves. And they, that a believer and a seeker, whatever term you want to use, can get, um, can be engaged in the same environment. But we're going to slant it maybe towards the person far from God um, because they don't have the Holy Spirit or they don't have the practices to be able to feed themselves. And we will defend that form of come and see to the death. And we even think the people on this side are archaic and do church wrong. Where on the people on this side are just like entertainment driven and do church wrong. I mean, we defend that and fight. 
and throw grenades across, and we also throw grenades down and up towards each other, right? Because down here, our tendency is to believe that the institutional church is screwed up and warp-filled and not doing what it's supposed to be doing and building bigger buildings and becoming six flags over Jesus and Fort God and all these things. And so we're just going to kind of live the alternative life, but we're just going to jump out and we're really going to go down here. We're supposed to be the church where we live. And what I think, if you'll allow me to think this, is I think it's, and you all probably stumbled on it, and I'm, you're much smarter, but it's to come and see, and then there's just this huge two words. So that. We come and see so that, that's that transformational piece, we can go and be. I mean, if you land on this side too long, then there's, that, there's something about forsaking the gathering of the community. If you land on this, song, this side too long, you end up with like spiritual constipation because you're not doing anything with what you've been, t- you've been taking in so long that you'll get stopped up eventually. So, yeah, you can, that's a keeper. You can, you can, that's, Jeff Henson said, said that. Um, but here's what I've seen and what I wish somebody would have told me. And I've, I've heard it a few times. Um, you have to love the church. I mean, capital C, on the left and on the right. There is no other plan to bring the gospel, to bring the kingdom of God, to bring hope to this world other than the church. And most of the time when I was in my 20s and knew everything, um, I thought that I would love the perfect church if they could draw it out there. That's the church that I love. But what I'm learning, and maybe this would be a gift to you, is that God wants us to love the church as it is. Warts and all, failures and all, mistakes and all, misjudgments, sometimes bad vision, sometimes bad decisions. It wants us to love it all. I mean, you would love my wife. I mean, she is just an amazing, an amazing, an amazing woman. Um, but let's just say you, you met us and you're like, I really like him. I mean, I love him. He's a great guy. His wife, uh, I could do without You know, take it or leave it. That would severely affect our relationship, me and you. Severely affect our relationship. Sometimes, I think as leaders, or shepherds, Jay, um, we love Jesus. And the church, eh, take it or leave it. And what you need to know is if we believe that the movement of God, the people of God, the ecclesia, called out ones of God, are the bride of Christ, and you're this way with the church, your relationship with the husband is at risk. The government won't bring gospel. Nonprofits aren't bringing gospel. They're great things. I think Christians should be at the forefront of all those things. But with that capital C, church, is what's called to bring hope and kingdom. That's the plan. There is no other plan to bring that stuff. Cool? All right, let's just wrap this section. Is any, does anybody have anything that just questions? I know this is not like you're asking me a question. You're asking us a question. Um, anything? I'm just going to leave it open. If nothing, that's okay. I'm really comfortable with that. But does anybody have anything that would be good discussion point around this kind of section? Yo. Yeah, I, I hope that they're hand in hand. But I think we lean on one side and we... I, I really do, and I've thrown my share of grenades on 
across and down and up. Um, we think, we attach value that what I'm doing is better than whatever somebody else is doing because I know how to do it right. And, and, or I know how to do it right, or I know how to do it right. And um, there's something about unity that, that as the capital C, we need to get better. Yep. I mean, could it be possible that the, the come and see model or mentality cripples the going big? I think it's possible. I mean, the question is, can the come, come and see cripple going big? I think, um, I think it has more to do with the last season of churchdom. Um, um, I don't think it's always been that way. I think if you go back to first century, there was there was temple, and then they lived it. It was life. It wasn't like I do this and then I live my real life. It was just it was that. It was come and see, go and be, come and see, go and be. Um, but I think we've, you know, with consumerism and all the kinds of things that have wonderfully infected our church and capitalism and all those things that. Um, on, on one hand are been really good for the quality of life we live and the quality of experience of church that we live um, been very, in some ways, crippling to the mission and the passion of the kingdom of God and personally to our own lives because everything is comfortable. And comfortable and growth um, can't coexist. So I think one of the ways, and, and, and I love the church that I currently uh, serve at. Um, one of the ways that we're trying to wrestle through this and flesh this out uh, is that we move to the heart of the city. Um, if you came and saw our church, you would be like, it's, wow, the programming is amazing, that we have lights and buildings and teaching and worship and rock loud, and you'd be like, okay, it's just like every, it's an institutional, program-driven, la-la-la-la-la, whatever you want to say. You might even throw a grenade at it. Um, but we're wrestling with the idea that all we do, service-wise, not like hand-serving, but like programmatically service-wise, is the weekend. So that we free people up to be the church where they live during the week. We provide um, opportunities like this summer. We started at last spring break, but we um, string-free no strings attached. We spent um, a lot of money, um, lots of money, like fifty thousand, almost a hundred thousand um, dollars of our church's money went to um, the public school system in our city. But not just like giving it. We sp- spent like over fifteen hundred volunteers gave up their spring break. That when when our um, when our community was on spring break, we went into our public schools and we painted and we bought computers and we fixed uh, windows and we put bathroom stalls on doors and we changed elementaries and we changed high schools. We redid libraries. We redid, I mean, I, I could point to three schools and say that we, we, our church was invested in, in that. And then this, we decided to move it to two weeks in June, this June, so that we can, we're going to do it and we're going to just implode the, the school system. Because our, in our situation, our go and be, our public schools are the, one of the top ten worst public schools in the country. And there's a lot of story that goes into it with some racism back in the day and some lawsuits. And so now we have like massive private schools that are great schools, but our public schools are some of the most poverty-ridden schools that we've had. So our go and be, our, like, this should not be. Like, we can't be this huge building and loving God and not do something about that. And so for us, no strings attached, um, we're going to invest into going and being that way. Now, going and being for you might look completely different, um, but you've got to find what that go and be is for whatever movement or part of a movement you're leading one of the things that our, our student ministry does is that we are we call it a night to remember. Um, we host uh, a prom, for lack of a better word. We host a prom for mentally and physically challenged um, high school students in our area. We um, pay for everything. We um, have our church kind of come around it. Our students are their hosts. We try to stay away from dates, um, try to as much as we can. But we have red carpet, and we rent three limos, and we do tuxes and dresses and size them up. And we have some of the best hairdressers in our, 
in our congregation come and do their hair. We have professional makeup done. We have glitter and jewelry and DJ with a huge dance. We turn our um, auditorium into this huge dance floor. We have hosts that serve. We have servers. We have a huge meal. We have pictures taken like at a real prom with like professional photography. We, I mean, we do it up because we believe in the movement bring hope to those that have no hope. And that's what it, just two of the ways it looks like for us. That we come and see so that we can go and be. Okay. Cool? Cool. Alright, the next uh, kind of ch- section. I've got to watch my time here. Gosh, there's so much I want to get to. Um, this is straight from you guys. What is the church's role in culture? Um, I'm just going to ask the question for you guys to talk about for for let's 90 seconds. I just picked that. For 90 seconds, what do you think the church's role in culture should be? Ready? Go. All right. If I'm, you only have four options, I know I gave you like seven earlier, and you still chose two of them. So you have to only pick one now. And I know you might think a complex combination of all four it would be great, um, but you can only pick one for the purposes of this discussion. So. Um, do you think the church should be creating culture, separating from culture, redeeming culture, or changing culture? Ready? Go. Just real quick around your table. Okay. Okay. Shh. Leaders, if you could help me out, if there's um, something that you would, from your table, that was kind of stirred up, that you would like to ask the whole, fire away. So and we'll kind of go from there if you want to. If not, we can move on to the next section. So if there's a question that you want to like, not something you heard, but just kind of like wrapping all the thoughts together to talk about. I think we like the, uh, the being defined, defining. Mm. Mm. I, I, I see a lot of frustration trying to define what we think church should be. Called, so. just, just do what you're told. But we get mad at each other, though, right? Because I think sometimes we see, um, and I obviously am the furthest thing from, like, skater guy, but we see skater guy doing a skate park, and we're like, dude, he doesn't even really love Jesus. He's just trying to be cool and reach skater kids and whatever. Grow up and mature in Christ. And he's looking at us going, he's looking at us going, why is he, like, white bread? only hangs around with white people and talks to Christians all the time. He's not, I mean, grow up and mature in Christ is what he's saying to us. So, I mean, if we don't kind of have an idea, then all of a sudden this expectation that we all have of each other, that we're not meeting, because we all have had this expectation of what Christians and culture is supposed to look like, and when you mess that up, then, I'm, then we, we get mad. We don't have unity. So, I agree that it is a little bit of a soup of it, but we've got to be, specifically, the movement pieces that you lead have got to be okay with an all-skate, with people that are on all ends of that spectrum. And getting away from the people that separate, thinking that they're better than the people that, you know, are in trying to dilute themselves into culture. Because we kind of create value amongst the communities that we are part of, based on that. So if it is healthy for it to be a soup, then you've got to lead the way in valuing all of those. Is that, I, I don't know if I was clear on that. Does that make sense? Crystal? Crystal. I want the truth. What now? Clay pot, crystal vase, clay pot, terracotta, china. By the way, Jay, I just want you to know this is free. Um, we sold our china and we sit on it. So we, uh, we have couches. We sold our china and we sit on our couches. So I feel better now that you said that. So good. Nate, if you bought us china, I'm sorry. So. Would we like any further discussion on this? Yeah, I, I would say yes, truthfully. I don't, I, and I don't know if we can, 
I don't know if we could separate. You know, it's like the whole postmodern discussion is hilarious to me because most of us are like, I, I, I don't know, but I am it, so I think this way. So it's not like I can't go and evaluate this is the reasons that I da, 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 believe this and think this. I'm just immersed in it, and so I, I, I go this way and think this way. So I don't know. I know it's good to change our thinking and be challenged and stretch and because I do think right thinking leads to right action. I do believe all that, but I don't, I, we are in it. So you can't say that we're not in it. You can't try to be monastic. Or you can, you just won't have any influence. So um, I don't know if we can separate. I think we should think the right things, but I don't think we can separate from culture. Does that help? Keep asking, because I, I, I want to be clear. I would say the world in which we live. Thoughts, belief, action, experiences. And that's probably not a textbook definition, but just for clarity's sake in my mind, when I'm talking about that word, that's what I think. Okay, uh, this one will be fun. Got a few, we're going to go a little bit. What do you do when your situation is terrible? I mean, what do you do when you have a bad, or I won't say bad boss, but what do you do when um, you don't know if you should stay or go? You don't know um, if the movement part that you're part of is going anywhere and if it's worth throwing your life into anymore. You don't know if you're having any influence. You don't know if you want to keep being led by the same person that, <laughs> that is just, that in maybe your estimation as a 20-something or older that knows everything about leadership, which I'm sure we all do. Um, he or she is not a leader worth following in your mind because they have this or this or this wrong with them. What do you do in those situations? One, two, three, discuss. Okay. Sorry, I'm cutting you off. Um, here we go I can't answer this for you I don't know your situation I don't know your character I don't know the character of the people you work with I think one of the reasons they had me do this is because I can say things um, with no strings attached because I'm not saying them like and knowing personally that I'm stepping on somebody's foot in the room because I don't know any of your situations or anything so I can't answer this for you. You're big boys and girls, and you have the Holy Spirit, um, and, he, and he, she, however, whatever pronoun you want to use, is way more um, powerful, wiser, and smarter than I am. But what I can do is maybe give you some principles to walk through that I feel are important. First of all, first is your calling. What are you called? What are you gifted and called by God to do? Not whether should you stay or should you go. That's not the question. It's the wrong question to ask first. What are you called to do with your one and only life that if you won't do it, that you will be miserable because this is what God has called and equipped and wired you to do. Sometimes, I know, guys, I, ladies, I, I'm in the moment where it sometimes is work. And it feels like a job, and it's hard, and there's drama, and politicalness, and just, ugh. But I'm called. I can't do anything else with my one and only life, because I'm called. I'll tell you, if it's ever been a job or a paycheck for you, or if it is now, get out. Because the pay is lousy. And what you have to deal with isn't worth it if it's just a job or a paycheck. And I love you, but too much damage has been done by people that consider it a job or a paycheck. And the movement is way too important for it just to be a job. It has to be a call. Second thing I would evaluate and ask you to evaluate is character, specifically yours. Before you go into he or she does this, they do this, it's like this, I would evaluate your character. Are you just wanting out because it's hard? Or you feel released? Is there something in you that has a hard time with authority or being led 
or not being controlled or not feeling valued? I mean, what is it in you that is the issue? Because most issues that I've ever seen um, are two-sided. We just most of the time don't look at our side of it. What is it in you, in your character, that is having a hard time or difficult time in this situation? The second thing I would tell you in, in hard times with character is that it's okay to look at the character of the people around you or, in this situation, maybe the character of the people in direct leadership contact with you. And in my mind, if you can trust the character of the people over you implicitly, most of the time the issue's with you. Now, it's completely different if you have questions about character of the people over you. But if you trust the character and the history and the motives of the people over you, then the issue's probably with you. Third, if you have to go, guard the body at all costs. The church is more important than you are. The church is more important than people hearing your side. The church is more important than being right. The church is more important than airing out um, everyone's failures so that they lose faith in the people that are going to be still there when you're long gone. The church is more important. You have to guard the body. That doesn't mean lie, cover up, cheat, steal. That doesn't mean any of that. You tell the truth, but you guard the body. It's way more important. I probably put these in the wrong order, um, but submission. We like to complain about places that we work and bosses that we have, but we've never submitted to them. And so I tell you, if you haven't fully submitted yet, you probably don't have a gripe about their character or their direction or their movement because you haven't put yourself under their authority. Um, most likely, their mission is high enough to get under. In some situations, I've seen where the mission is so low, and in some marriages, I've seen where the guy's mission is so low that it's impossible to get under. Um, Very rarely in most of the churches that I've seen is the mission so low that you can't get under it. So I would just challenge you, before you have to bolt, Get under the mission first, fully. Be all there. Then, when you're under the mission, and they know, whoever it is above you, knows that you're for them and submitted to the mission, then I think you get to, then you get to ask why. But you have to submit to the mission first. There's a principle that I love as a boss. Um... Loyalty publicly earns you leverage privately. There's people on my team that um, would, would stand in front of a bullet for me. Would, um, would, you know, if there's like 70 people that were coming to kill me, which is hopefully not ever going to happen, but they would be right next to me fighting to the death. And because they know that they are loyal to me, even when it's difficult in public, um, they can say whatever they want to me in private, and I know it comes from the right place. So as someone um, who leads people, I would just ask you, because you would want it, um, if you're loyal publicly, you earn leverage privately. So sometimes you just need to be quiet and submit. And if you can't submit, the issue's with you. Because God hasn't placed you in a role of leadership, obviously, yet. And maybe your inability to submit is the reason why. Cool? Cool. Any questions? All right, we've got, um, literally have like one minute. Um, so I'm going to walk through real quick just the four other questions that I was going to ask that might be just great questions to get you thinking. So... Um, you might get carpal tunnel real quick to write these out. Um, And I'm, again, coming from a student ministry context. So what do you want your students to look like when they graduate? I wish somebody would have made me answer that question when I was just beginning. Um, What do I want them to look like? 
what I want their character to be. Um, maybe you've heard of seven checkpoints. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying cut and paste those. If you do, that's great. But I think for your team and your situation, you've got to be able to figure out what you want your students to look like when they graduate. And so I'll give you our five real quick. Um, I almost di- didn't want to give you these because I feel like it, it ruins the, like Jay said, you miss the process and you go for the product because the process is invaluable. But I'll give you our five anyway. Um, I want them to, I, this is what I want them to say. We don't have it posted up anywhere. It's not in our mission statement. It's just everything funnels through, funnels through these five things. We come around them all the time. This is what we want them to look like. When they graduate from high school, we want them to be, these things to be true and for these things to be able to be said by them. So, I know who I am in Christ. Period. The mirror doesn't get to tell me my identity. The scale doesn't get to tell me my identity. My GPA doesn't get to tell me my identity. My fan, financial portfolio someday doesn't get to tell me my identity. My wife doesn't get to tell me my identity. My kids don't get to tell me my identity. My boss doesn't tell me my identity. I know who I am in Christ. I am a much-loved child of God. And that starts everything. I own my own faith. It's not Mike's job to feed me. It's not the church's job to feed me. I have the Holy Spirit. I have community. I have access to his word. I own my own faith. You know, it's fun to feed my daughter in the high chair now. When she's 17, it would be really weird to be feeding her still from the high chair. And yet we have cultures and students that do that. They expect us to feed them. So instead of getting mad about that, we're trying to change the system where they own their own faith. I make wise decisions. The direction of my life determines where I'll end up. Direction determines destination. I can't say that I want to be a great husband and live this way. Because if I go in this direction, which is workaholism, which is not guarding my character or my eyes, which is going to do all these things and end up at the destination of wanting to be a good husband. So if we... Um, could rewind and go back to most of our high school lives and, and practice the decision of making wise decisions are probably mo- some of our deepest regrets, some of our most painful videotape would probably be erased. So what if we could have a group of students that when they graduated from high school could say, I made wise decisions. The fourth one we say is I live on purpose. Life just doesn't happen to me. Um, I am out there engaged, living on purpose. I know my gifts, I know my strengths, I know my talents, and I'm out there for my one and only life to make a difference. I'm not just existing or floating. I'm living on purpose. I do things with purpose. Um, The fifth thing, I could talk forever on these because it's all we talk about. Um, The fifth thing is that I know that it's not about me. I just, I know that the focus is on God, and I know that my life is for God. Ultimately, God is about God, and everything that, everything, if everything is supposed to give him fame and glory and weight and recognition and honor, then I want my life to be that. Those are five values. The next question, so I'm real fast, this going on. Next question that I would want you to write down, this is something that I've been wrestling with personally um, just in the last month or so. Um, What is the fruit of my life? What is the fruit of your life? When do you know that your life will be successful? And I think immediately, um, had we not heard Jay's talk, but immediately we start thinking about the influence that we would have on people, the stuff that we would do with our life. And um, I would just maybe challenge to say today that I'm beginning to think that the fruit of my life or the success of my life is about my character. Is about Christ being formed in me. It's about who I'm becoming. It's about how God is making me new on the inside out. Instead of the impact that I have, or the tree I try to climb, or the influence that I have on students and leaders, I think, biblically, that the fruit of my life is the inside stuff that God is doing. And I think that most of the time, we can get to places with our gifts that our character can't sustain. Some of you are really talented. And you'll get to places and positions of influence with your gifts, but your character can't sustain it. So I would tell you, maybe, 
just as a free gift, and I wish someone would have told me this, um, because I needed it and need it, that the fruit of my life is the character that God is developing in me, not the impact that I have. Next one. Why am I gifted and what are my strengths? Um, why am I gifted? If I would just challenge you to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Um, just the, the real quick of it is, you are gifted to prepare God's people for works of service, to build up the body. Most of the time we think we're gifted for us or we're gifted to like give back to God. We are gifted to prepare God's people for works of service, to build up the body. You are gifted to raise up other people to serve and whatever giftings that they have. Most of the time we think, well, I'm the teacher, so I'm supposed to be teaching all the time. No, you're gifted to prepare God's people for works of service. Who are you helping develop their gifts? Scott even said it last night. I never heard it in this passage before, but that um, 2 Timothy passage where it talks about do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the other duties. Do what you do, and then raise up other people. Let them do what they're supposed to do. I mean, I just, it blew me away. I just never had heard that. I don't know why. I mean, I'm a Christian, right? I read the Bible. I never had heard that. And I'm just like, wow, that's exactly what I would say, is that you are gifted to raise up the body, not for you. So quit being superstar with your gifts and let other people play the game. Okay? All right. The last one um, that I would just say is I think most of us um, are experience rich and relationally poor. Um, and we, we go after this connection and high points with God and high moments in worship and high all these things and mission trips and da-da-da-da-da, but we're relationally poor with him. And um, I would just challenge to say, if you could be experience rich and relationally rich, um, your leadership will be multiplied. Because uh, we want to be on the stage, we want to be in the front, we want to have all the control, we want to have those experience and high moments but our character and our relationship with God can't sustain um, where we are. The last one is that leadership is stewardship. It will be taken away from you. It is a gift. Somebody else will lead after you. And you will be asked by God what you did with the gift that I gave you. Plain and simple. It's not yours. They're not your people. It's not your ministry. It's not yours. It's a gift from God, and it's a stewardship. What did you do with it? Let me pray real quick, and then we'll kind of get some lunch directions. God, thank you for just uh, inviting us into your story. God, forgive us when we try and hijack a little bit for our story and our fame and our glory. Even we want to steal just a little bit of it. God, if you would, um, man, just kind of bedrock us into some principles uh, about what you want to do in and through us. God, maybe we'd be a a group of men and women that walk out of here and say, okay, God, use us for whatever you want to do, however you want to do it, so that you can get maximum glory. God, we want you to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.